0: This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. It's nine o'clock here in South Africa, so that means I have my Jack Daniels with me. And um, my guest, whom I'm about to introduce, um, is in the United States, which means that it's still too early for him to have a <laughs> for him to have a Jack Daniels. Quote, when I left academia, my real education began. Michael Rechtenwald, former New York University professor of liberal studies and author of multiple books with multiple qualifications behind your name. (laughs) It's a great pleasure. It's a great pleasure to have you here.
1: Thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: What does that even mean, liberal studies?
1: Well it doesn't mean liberalism as such that's for sure it means uh more or less uh it was kind of like a small liberal arts college within the university so it taught uh all kinds of uh uh all kinds of topics you know it's all kinds of subjects really we had uh there were uh historians and political scientists and uh uh Literature, people—basically, a kind of liberal arts school.
0: But what does that term "liberal" mean?
1: In this sense, it's supposed to mean uh, a broad uh, exposure to uh, to uh, to to education, like uh, including. Basically, a broad swath of all kinds of topics and subject areas with a kind of uh, open inquiry and critical reasoning uh, dimension to it. In other words, you know, uh, critically, a critical thought uh, with reference to history, science, uh, literature, uh, you know, all the humanities, social sciences. Uh, political science, so you 're supposed to cultivate this kind of quote unquote liberal attitude towards uh things and here liberal means kind of like latitudinarian uh, that is kind of broad and ecumenical uh not not, not what it is actually it 's uh it 's really an indoctrination camp at this juncture it 's not about. <laughs> It's not about liberal in this broad sense. It's very illiberal, really.
0: Weirdly, you actually have to you actually have to purposefully be um, anti PC these days to be normal.
1: <laughs> yeah, we think so. Yeah, because what's coming down what is you know what is politically correct is actually uh, psychologically, socially, and uh, logistically insane. So. Um, know what counts as political correct political correctness is uh, all kinds of crazy beliefs uh, that are just absurd for example I mean transgender ideology uh, you have to subscribe to critical race theory you have to believe in uh, uh, you know basically have to be a socialist at this Mm -hmm. point you have to be a Marxist in some sense in at least your ethos has to be Marxist you have to believe in oppressors and oppressed, and you have to believe in these, yeah, that this whole, uh, the whole society is based on uh, oppression, uh, that capitalism is, uh, is oppressive and white supremacist. These, these are sort of the tacit beliefs that you have to have in order to be politically correct. Yeah, it's uh, it came out of critical le- legal studies and it, it borrows from critical theory, which is the Frankfurt School and yeah. postmodern theory, uh, which are the French theorists uh, from the 60s and 70s. Uh, and uh, it cobbles together all these different uh, oppositional uh, frameworks, if you will. Uh, opposition is the key term here. Everything has to be opposed to the hierarchies, yeah. to the established ways of, of everything. Uh, and all of these things are deemed uh, oppressive. And so, all the outcomes in society are based on some sort of oppression and power differentials and so on and so forth. So, uh, no matter what you're looking at, uh, any kind of outcome must be based on racist or sexist or class based, uh, power differentials.
0: What is your, your history? Um, Michael, I mean, how did you, how did you end up where you are now? Mentally. Oh, I mean, that's
1: I, a great question. Uh,
0: <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I didn't mean the word mentally in, in a derogatory way.
1: <laughs> yeah. How did I end up like this? Uh, I hope I haven't ended up yet at all. Uh, um, but <laughs> how'd you end up like this? What happened to you? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, I was a Marxist, you know, um, uh, I was uh, trained in this uh, school of thought, like through my academic career. I've I got a PhD in uh, literary and cultural theory, uh, and then it changed to literary and cultural studies while I was in this department. And, you know, we studied all things like Marxism, feminisms, postmodern theory. Uh, we studied uh, socialisms of all kinds, and we studied uh you know, just the whole panoply of, uh, doctrines. And sooner or later I kind of got roped into it. I mean, I started to believe it because, you know, when this comes at you nonstop and you're not reading anything else, you know, you start to subscribe. And, uh, so I basically became a Marxist, uh, with kind of postmodern inflection, if you will. And, um, you know, I, um, Uh, I was in an English department, but really didn't study literature much. Uh, And I ended up writing a dissertation in uh, the history of science, uh, but that had really nothing to do with my politics too much, except that I studied working class uh, science and things like that, uh, and ended up becoming a scholar of secularism, strangely enough, and uh, became like a world leading scholar in secularism. and uh, you know, uh, critical theory and all this science studies, all these different approaches and methods uh, i was I was involved in. But my avocation was as a Marxist and uh, but then um, you know it it all flipped. Uh, the whole script flipped because um, I came out against uh, like a lot of the craziness going on on campuses. Even when I was a Marxist, I didn't believe in indoctrinating students. And I didn't think the university should be partial. I thought it should Mm -hmm. be impartial with respect to politics and ideology. And I started seeing that this social justice had infected everything. And um, even the policies were now social justice policies. So one day I I realized that if I started expressing what was actually going on in my mind, what I was thinking, that it would be quite a revelation. And so I decided to do it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, here we have this uh, NYU professor deeply steeped in the left, uh, deeply abiding by the left, and then suddenly has these very critical thoughts with reference to it all. And uh, I started to expressing them in this Twitter, uh, mm. in, on Twitter. And then I got interviewed by the student newspaper. And uh, within two days I was forced into a leave of absence. I'm condemned. <laughs> 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 it's unbelievable. Yeah. Within two days I was an apostate. I was, I was a heretic. Um they, roundly condemn me and I was I was definitely I was accused of wrong think straight up they said I was guilty for the structure of my thinking <laughs> 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 so yeah uh, then I, they shipped me off listen to this I, I sued some colleagues because they kept uh, libeling me in these emails to the whole department so I sued them and they ended up moving me to the Russian department. They moved Russian. my office to the, yeah. And uh, like I had my own personal gulag in effect. Uh, they basically made me like a, a prison, like in a prison camp on campus because they, they wouldn't allow me to be with anybody else. They, they, people wouldn't even get in an elevator with me. They acted like I was, I, was, uh, I had some sort of ideological leprosy. And, uh, you know, I was called everything in the book white supremacist, uh, alt right, uh, uh, sexist, racist, uh, short pants, white devil, Satan, short, short, short as pants. well. <laughs> yeah, short pants, white devil. I don't know what the hell that means still. Uh, Satan himself. So I, I got all of them, uh, became the lead.
0: Simply for having ideas.
1: Yes. Yeah, for ideas that they didn't approve of. Oh, they were criticisms of of the leftism that was rampant. You know, I I just saw how crazy the left had had become.
0: Michael, how let's just, yeah, let's just quickly break that down. Um, what is leftism?
1: That's a great question. I mean, there's so many ways to answer it. Um, leftism is generally a kind of uh it is a a very serious dissatisfaction with the way things are and it is placing all that dissatisfaction on the on the structure on the system so every dissatisfaction is blamed on uh, the hegemonic structure of society, or you know, the dominant uh, powers that be, and leftism is a serious dissatisfaction with the status quo, based on the idea that every problem you have and every uh, every failure that you encounter is really not uh, your own; that it's uh, some structurally determined uh, outcome it's structurally determined you know whether that be class race gender um uh, you name it it's it, it, uh it's all structurally determined
0: would you say that it's somewhat utopian in its ideals yes
1: yes i would say that uh utopianism is the um uh, it is the uh opium of the left <laughs> and just yeah uh utopianism is the opiate of the of the left. It is what uh basically has them in its thrall right. um, There's this idea that you can establish like this uh near perfect society on earth, and that everything short of that must be destroyed
0: okay, but I mean michael I mean it sounds sounds great. I mean, why wouldn't you want to move towards a utopian kind of existence?
1: Well, what I figured out is that every utopian is a totalitarian in waiting. Um, that what you have to do to establish utopia is to basically crush other, other people. Uh, you must silence, you must uh, destroy other ways of thought, you have to destroy other perspectives, you must crush dissent in order to create the society in which everybody abides by your beliefs, you must be a totalitarian.
0: It sounds almost as if Lenin might have agreed with you.
1: Yes, he agreed with me. He, he did agree with that. That's exactly what and he said I have to do it. Uh, he said that we'll, we can abide no criticisms of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of, this, uh, of, of the Bolshevik uh, ideology. Nothing can stand in its way. Everybody that disagrees must be silenced, either mm. by death, or gulag, or what have you.
0: Yeah. And would you would you separate the term left and liberal?
1: Oh, yeah. How? Uh, well, in the U.S., there's this conflation of the two, but it's mistaken. Because the left is illiberal. Uh, they don't allow liberality of thought or or uh, independence of thinking. Whereas the, I'm a classical liberal, and that is I believe in uh, free speech, individuality, liberty, and uh, the the rights of the individual. Um, and they don't believe in any of that. They think individualism is uh, either, it's either, uh, it's either bourgeois, which means it's, it's a siding with capitalism, or else it's white supremacist, or else it's, uh, it's just delusionary, because you don't really have an individual selfhood that isn't constructed for you by the social order. That is, yeah. So it's completely fabricated ideas, purely ideological in their mind, whereas I see the left as purely living in ideology.
0: Uh, and one of the one of the aspects of you know Michael Rechtenwald is very much anti totalitarian, very much free speech. Do you yeah. think? Do you think that we are kind of heading back towards the seventeen hundreds, um, in a sense? if you look at the way in which censorship has, it seems to have escalated, for example, in particularly with regards to big tech.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we've gone back into the Inquisition, only now it's a political I- Inquisition. It's based not on religious creed or heresy, but on political and ideological heresy. So it's, it's an Inquisitional uh, mentality, mm. and uh, there is this idea of stamping out all dissent and all difference uh, of opinion, all thoughts that uh, that don't accord with this creed, with this doctrine, with this ideological domination of leftism, really. Uh, if you're a leftist, you can say anything you want. You can say that on Twitter, you can say that I want to kill you, uh, I'll blow your head off, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take you out back and shoot you in the back of the head. You, you can say any kind of... Uh, homicidal thing that you want uh, if you're not a leftist you're, you're deemed you know dangerous and you'll mm. be condemned and blocked and uh, deplatformed and, and so on and so forth you'll be disappeared um, so we're, we're undergoing a socialist Marxist uh, postmodernist uh, leftist revolution uh, at this time.
0: Yeah, I mean it's very interesting, and I know you've commented on this in the past. But you're talking about being cancelled, and um, I'm reminded of that incident at Berkeley, I think it was, with Milo Yiannopoulos.
1: Right, Milo was—they burned the campus down just to keep from uh, from speaking.
0: That was it. uh, He was just there to speak.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean they did the same. They didn't quite burn the campus down at NYU, but in the fall of 2016, he was supposed to speak. But they canceled the event because they said it was too close to the LGBTQ uh, center, and if somebody walked by the door, they might overhear it, and they might be injured or damaged, or they might suffer some uh, some sort of a uh, uh, some sort of a uh, microaggressive. Uh, you know, they might suffer from what he had to say. They they so they canceled that event, and that was one of the things that tipped me off of what was going Mm -hmm. on. So I invited Milo to speak in my classroom later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What happened?
1: They shut it down. The mayor of New York City shut down my (laughs) classroom. It was a class meeting of 15 students, and Bill de Blasio stepped in and shut it down and canceled my (laughs) class. (laughs) <laughs> they said it was too dangerous to have him come on to campus and
0: too to, dangerous
1: they, too dangerous because he whatever he might say would be a danger to the community <laughs> uh and, and uh they shut it down i was having him come on halloween <laughs> to speak about halloween and the cultural meaning of halloween things like that basically we were going to talk about like how you know it's it's forbidden to wear a Halloween costume for one night, but you know if you're you can change your identity on the fly. If you're on the left, you can become a woman <laughs> yeah. and there's no problem. But you you can't wear a costume for one night. That's not okay. Things like that, and uh, how insane this sort of uh, I don't hypocrisy, but also yeah. lunacy. You
0: know? It's so yeah. strange. I don't understand what's going on. What do you think is going on? What how how. How is this how is this infiltrating what is it is it a virus of the mind I'm trying to work this yeah. out what is going on
1: Yeah there's a ideological virus that's uh spreading and uh that's already spread pretty much worldwide and uh that is subverting uh, the uh consciousness of uh millions and millions of people and turning them into uh subverted subversive lunatics such that they uh, think that everything must be overthrown uh, that everything is injustice and uh, so uh, they they firmly believe this and uh, and that it's in, it's infiltrated every institution in the western world mm. from mm. Uh, the legal system to the uh, to the corporate uh, system. Uh, the business community the uh intelligence community the intelligence agencies the military uh the uh of course academia was the first to go um, it, from academia it spread and infiltrated in and the political system of yeah. course uh, it's all been overtaken by this uh, by this virus by this socialist leftist uh Uh, postmodernist virus, which uh, tells you that everything in the world has been constructed by power and that all the edifices must crumble. Uh, And that's what's happening. I mean, we're undergoing a broad cultural and political and social revolution uh, based on a mishmash of leftist ideologies.
0: Do you think it's emergent or is it by design?
1: Uh, that's a good question um you mean by emergent that it had some spontaneous uh organic basis to it or is it actually being perpetrated i well i can tell you what i think the function of it is um the function is to make the majority believe themselves undeserving of everything they have or might ever have uh including their Their property, their rights, Uh, anything they've enjoyed has been a, you know, has come by virtue of privilege, and likewise, it should be either abdicated or or (laughs) eradicated. Uh, So I think it works to reset. It works with this great reset idea, Mm. which is to basically abolish anything like a middle-class, where if independent producers and independent uh, uh, agents of all sorts, and to eradicate their position in the society, and to create a kind of two-tiered structure with socialism on the ground, actually existing socialism for the broad majority, and a kind of fascism on top, with with, which is run by these oligarchs mm-hmm. uh and these uh global elite who are going to be in control and the left playing right into their hands yeah. they're actually doing the groundwork for these people
0: yeah uh, i mean and, no go on yeah.
1: well i mean look at antifa they're they're kind yes. of like the the stormtroopers of this movement
0: black lives matter uh, also
1: in black lives matter yeah they're doing the groundwork and and crt critical race theory that is in uh, socialism and so forth is doing the ideological work and it's all it all comes together to create this kind of uh two-tiered neo-feudalistic system so if we're going backwards yeah we're going back into feudalism with mm. a technological basis uh with techno a techno control system and total surveillance state. All of this is being put together. And I think, I don't know whether there was any organic basis to any of these things. They have been appropriated at the very least by uh, this oligarchical uh, group that's using them in order to yeah. undertake this. Yeah.
0: So perhaps it's a combination of both. I mean, I. I personally think that what we are seeing right now happening around the world with this, uh, inverted commas pandemic, um, is very much by design.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh the response and the yeah. response to it at least has been to create this reset. Of, yes. Of, see, we're, we're supposed to believe that there's a, this, there's always a catastrophe. There's this impending climate doom. Yes. Uh, and therefore, we are not to have our consumption and our life standards, our mobility, and our rights must be t- taken away in order mm. to address this so-called crisis, which I think is a hoax, Yes, frankly.
0: Uh, no, I agree. And I think that's the ult- this is the ultimate plan. It's climate.
1: Climate is the ultimate pretext, yeah. Yes. COVID was just a, a warm-up and a, a warm-up pretext. And I think they'll bring other... Viruses and and things on the scene and vaccines, uh, so uh, you yeah, know this this is all and these so this wokeness and COVID totalitarianism I call it woke and COVID totalitarianism is bent on resetting our whole way of life and reducing us to kind of a, a serfdom. Uh, a kind of socialism on the ground uh, actually existing socialism on the ground with this oligarchical control yeah. and on top getting rid of all businesses small businesses of all sorts independent producers and funneling all all commercial activity to the top to mm. the Amazons and the Facebooks and the Googles of the world and leaving everybody else sort of like a in a state of subservience uh, and dependence and uh, without any means to, uh, to counteract it.
0: I saw a, a talk by you. Um, I, I forget how long ago it was, but it was basically about the sort of Google um, monopoly. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, Google election, I think it was called.
0: Yes. On censorship, etc., And, 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 Yes, a weird conundrum Google's a private company yeah. facebook facebook's a private company, but they almost have more power now than than governments countries in fact
1: Yeah, I think I call them a governmental uh apparatus their state apparatuses they're you know it's true that Google's technically a private company, but their startup funding came from incutel, which was the uh funding agency created by the c i a uh, and so, you know, they got their startup through the CIA's inQtel. Facebook similarly got money through the same circuits, through the intelligence and military intelligence communities. Uh, they they pass off money to some people, and then those people lend the money to Facebook. So they make it they they kind of obfuscate the direct channels to show to keep it from looking like they got basically set up by the state, which they did. Um, but it it was indirect in the case of Facebook. Um, and now in the United States, you know, they've appointed, uh, Biden has appointed this, uh, Mallorca who's going to be cooperating with Facebook, cooperating. She's going to be dictating the terms (laughs) of what is going to be counting as disinformation, misinformation. So they're going to completely control, they already are, but they want an even tighter control. Uh, of information flow and and control of people and what they can and cannot say on Facebook so and on Twitter so these these uh, outlets facebook twitter google they have enormous power mm. they have the power over the whole public square I, is
0: it inappropriate if i send you my sympathies uh, for for your current president
1: <laughs> no not at all i think it's <laughs> Appropriate. Uh, <laughs> I think that the the country here is being run by a Politburo. you know this is a this guy is merely just a i don't even want to say figurehead he's kind of a skin suit that that, uh, that, that they have erected it's the cynicism underneath of it is is stunning that the, that they are that confident that they could put a, a complete bumbling imbecile. Uh, and prop him up as the leader of the country and the free world Mm -hmm. when he can't articulate like a thought. Uh, He can't string together a complete (laughs) sentence and he has no idea what he's saying, I don't think. And I don't think he can follow a question out to the point where he can make an answer to it because he's not sure what was asked. By the time he starts talking, he forgot what was even the (laughs) question. So he... (laughs) He just starts saying things like, well, you know how that is, where that happened and so forth, you know, and, uh, he, and there's no substance <laughs> to any, anything he says. It's just pure, uh, you know, word salad of, uh, without very many words. Uh, and, uh, this is being passed off as legitimate, you know?
0: No, I don't think it is. Um,
1: yeah. Um, so I think there's like a polyp you running the show. Mm. Um, which is like a communist committee, that's really in charge. And he's just there to make it all look, uh, well, I don't know what it's making it look like. It's it's making it look, he's there just to uh, rubber stamp it, but yeah. uh, really, I think the fact that his vacuity, his lack of content it is actually working to their favor, because they're basically telling him, don't say anything. Yeah. You know, don't say anything. You don't have to say a word. Just mumble shit out. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is, and uh, we'll do the rest,
0: you know. It goes back to something you were saying earlier. She says in the, in the United States, she's in Colorado, in the United States, right and left, conservative and liberal are understood very differently than in the rest of the world. Would you agree with that?
1: Well, yes, especially with the term liberal. Here, liberal does not mean what it does uh, in Europe or uh, probably in, in Africa or in uh, South America even, mm. and certainly not in like Australia, New, Zeal- New Zealand, where liberal meant what it meant, you know, in Great Britain where it was started, which meant classically liberal, which means, uh, in, you know, it values individual rights and freedom of speech and, and so on and so forth. Liberal here is illiberal. Uh, It means uh, tending towards progressivism and socialism. Mm. Uh, It's not liberal at all. Uh, It's illiberal. Uh, Right and left, I don't even think, what I think is going on is that there's basically two, two groups left. You have those that are basically enforcing the establishment's dictates Mm. They're kind of like agents of the state and the corporate uh, state apparatuses. They're 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 kind of like running around enforcing everything, and then you have dissidents. That's really all you have. And the the, the rule of these uh, sentinels of surveillance and power, these little people on the ground that are yelling at you about masks and vaccines. The rule of their, their rule is to get you to conform to the dictates of the establishment. And they call themselves leftists. <laughs> so, <laughs> then everybody else is dissident, and they're all called right wing. Right. So any dissidence is called right wing. Um,
0: it doesn't not, really mean much anymore, does it?
1: No, it doesn't mean much. Even so-called conservatives are not really conservative at all. Mm. Um, they are not trying to conserve this, that's for sure. Um they're basically anybody that opposes this new totalitarianism.
0: So almost uh, reactionary.
1: Well, against this totalitarianism, yeah. Yes. I mean, how else can they be? The leftist dictatorship which is being established, it, they're they're no longer oppositional. yeah They actually favor it. So they become conservative in effect so everything shifts they want to they want to keep what's coming which is or what's here which is a kind of leftist totalitarianism yeah and uh w- which identifies with what has been leftist views but has become dictatorial you know i mean under lenin and bolshevism w- what would you call people that adhere to bolshevism would you call them yeah what would you call them?
0: Um, yeah, exactly, communists.
1: In fact, everybody that differed on the left, he called them, uh, like he called them uh, uh, infantile, infantile leftism, mm. is what he what he used to refer to them. And then everybody else was a rightist, a right deviationist, as, yeah. you, as it were. I mean, I guess I'm a right deviationist <laughs> in in the current
0: context. <laughs> Not that it really matters, does it? <laughs> no. Um,
1: Doesn't uh, except that the way. No, it's a way for them to label and discredit
0: you. Yeah, labels.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because language is all determining for postmodernism. There's no ontologies. Everything is about language, and so uh, the way language is used is a very uh, is very all determining for postmodern theory. You know, Derrida, the father of deconstruction said that there is nothing outside the text mm. so everything is words, everything is language and this this follows also when you look at transgenderism where basically you are what you say you are, it's about language in the end uh, if I say I'm a man, I'm, I'm a man if I say I'm a woman, I'm a woman and this is, this see this shows how language is all determining labels are, 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 are being used to, to Determine what you are, uh, and uh, and f- as such to uh, control uh, what your meaning is.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's supremely destructive. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, it's and it's meant to be destructive. It's meant to destroy opposition, in particular, but it also upsets all ontologies. That is, any stable sense of what what is and what isn't. It's just totally disorienting and that's on that's intentional.
0: Adele in the comments makes a great comment. She says anybody who isn't a leftist is a deplorable. That's right. That's right. That's true.
1: If you're not leftist you're deplorable. So I'm also deplorable. And that's fine.
0: I mean I mean how just I mean just on that how did she think that she was going to win? Over half the country by giving them that 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 label
1: that, that moniker it, yeah. it was the either the most the most either she had total hubris to believe that she had such a command that she was gonna so clearly win or and it's the biggest political foible in modern history to to call the the uh, voters who who were going to who may be on the fence or maybe not in your camp, to call them deplorable, to label the entire other contingent something, Mm -hmm. so to demote them and to to, uh, demean them in such a way, was the dumbest political uh, move ever made.
0: (laughs) I mean, uh,
1: why would you go try, how do you appeal to the other side by basically- Insulting. uh, Yeah, insulting them like this. And that's why I called myself the deplorable NYU professor. Uh, yeah. I, I I wanted to not so much to say that I was an adherent or that I was a, an a- appa- like I really favored Trump. It's the people that she labeled that I was trying to say. Listen, I I really I really relate to you, and I I, uh, I wanted to uh, associate myself with them because I felt that 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 kind of dismissal and demeaning. Language was just such elitism beyond words, you know
0: mm. the irony the irony for me, and the absolute epitome of what happened um with with Trump was when Johnny Rotten, the man who represented punk, you know punk. Uh, Punk, like anti-establishment. When he went on to yeah. British TV and he said, "I'm going to vote for Donald Trump because he lives in the United States now," and he said, "Because Donald Trump represents anti-establishment." For me, that was brilliant.
1: <laughs> yes, that's brilliant, and that's that's also emblematic of what was going on and what 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 it is, what it means, and so th- there is this thing: the how does the right become the most anti-establishment? group or what they're calling the right you know yeah so uh, so this is what's curious you have a the left so-called aligned with big tech corporate america the political establishment the intelligence agencies and the neocons
0: (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) i mean
1: how did, this was a, a masterstroke on their part
0: yeah I mean how did this happen
1: <laughs> they used Trump that way that's how they used Trump to get the whole so-called opposition on on the side of the establishment mm. it was a it was a brilliant way they they used him uh, to do that uh, to to get the whole left aligning what you know when I say left here now I mean usually the oppositional contingent in, in the political uh, mm. order to get them completely on the side of th- the powers that be. Brilliant.
0: Uh, his name's uh, Wolfgang and he has asked this question a number of times. So I uh, I think we should he read His it. name's
1: Wolfgang? Wolfgang? Yeah, v- Wolfgang, oh, he must yeah. be a Nazi. He must be a Nazi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 he, he wants to know Why don't governments confront the actual evil people who are making all this money out of misery and terrorism? I'm not entirely certain what he's referencing. Um, Perhaps an earlier comment? No, I mean,
1: I think he's talking about the COVID crisis and the way the pharmaceutical companies are cashing in on misery and actually uh, producing death, you know, killing people because they kept uh, palliatives like ivermectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine off the table. They're in on it. That's how this, that's why the governments aren't con, uh, confronting them. They're, they're in on it. These people are in on it. The, the political establishment and these corporate, uh, monoliths, these corporate mm. beasts, behemoths, they're, on, they're in on it. They're mm. together. They're, they're on the same page. So the state has no power to, uh, the state has no interest in opposing this. The political operatives are just part of the part of the puzzle here they're part of the cabal that's doing this it, it, and any of them that try not to try to oppose it they get crushed
0: they're in bed together
1: yeah the, the FBI is now suggesting in the United States that uh, they investigate uh anybody that in congress. Who is uh, pro-Trump? There, that they investigate them for white supremacy and <laughs> terrorism. <laughs> yeah. So, and while we just found out recently that the FBI probably organized the January sixth insurrection. That they, yes. this was a, I saw that, this was a, an entrapment plot. They actually entrap these people into what happened.
0: I mean, what is a conspiracy theorist? It's just somebody who doesn't bind to the established narrative.
1: That's all it is. It's somebody who doesn't bind to the established narrative. And what is the established narrative? It is a series of lies. Yeah. So <laughs> so,
0: so, another 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 term would be critical thinker.
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah, critical thinker. Uh, because everything that's come down, come out of the established narrative has been the opposite of the truth. Yes, so that's the interesting thing. It's been a complete inversion of the truth.
0: So why why did you leave academia? I mean, you were you were at NYU for what about a decade?
1: Yeah, over a decade. Yeah, and I had been elsewhere for fifteen years before that. So I had twenty five years in academia. I taught at Duke and other places. Uh, It was uh, the environment was so anti-intellectual and uh, so um, counterproductive in terms of uh, actual thinking and expressing of thought and independent thinking. And uh, it became, and plus they isolated me and made me like this pariah in academia and on, on campus they made it, like, insufferable, really. Uh, I just I just didn't want to, to deal with it anymore. So I sued them, and I, I did get a settlement. So I should say that money was part of it. I, I got out with a, a lump sum instead of having to suffer through years getting paid in dribbles, you know.
0: That's okay. Um, but, I mean, you're not alone. Uh, uh, somebody else who was on my podcast, uh, you might know him, Peter Bogosian.
1: I know Peter, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's also, he, and he suffered a hell of a lot down there in Portland. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, his, his situation was even worse than mine because I mean, he was, you know, I mean, he's, I don't know if he, is he still teaching? Did he, did he quit?
0: I, I, um, I don't think he's teaching at the moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, his situation was even worse than mine. I mean, um, he, he was very vastly underpaid and, uh, his position was very contingent, and so on and so forth. You know, I'm not, I'm not putting this down to him or anything. It's just the way that academics are treated is really mm. badly, uh, and uh, so I no, don't blame him. And, and those, and those, on.
0: those papers that he had published also didn't uh, didn't help. It didn't help.
1: That's right. The social <laughs> hope squared. Yeah, that that the grievance study stuff. That was great stuff.
0: It was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he absolutely. Yeah. Brutally showed the flaws in the system.
1: The flaws—the absolute dis- hoax and fraud that it is—the complete fraud that it is. Yeah, it's it's completely broken. It's uh, it's an echo chamber for one. Okay, I mean you know, about, sorry,
0: pa- you, you, you know about that paper last year, uh, the from the Lancet that was tw- that massive hydroxychloroquine paper that was completely fraudulent that they that they retracted. I mean that was an example.
1: Yes, in different. In different disciplines the 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 echo chamber is established under different parameters, but in every case it's a it's an echo chamber and all you have to do is echo basically the the prevailing belief uh beliefs and if you don't mm. your chances of getting published are zero. Um so yeah, that was another thing. The, the whole humanities—I I was in the humanities, even though I did history of science. The humanities are so disgustingly uh, corrupt, and uh, the the intellectual caliber is so low. It's garbage what they're producing. Like uh, as Bogosian and Pluckrose and Lindsay pointed out, uh, the garbage that they're that they're producing, and it's not scholarship. It's pure uh rhetorical garbage. It's just ideological mishmash trash. I mean I don't know what else to call it. It's it's just fickable.
0: Well there's a question yeah in the comments asking okay so I mean you and I are moaning and ranting and bitching, but how do we fix it?
1: They're gonna ask me for solutions now? <laughs> yes,
0: that's that 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 always comes.
1: Yeah here I come to save the day. Um uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's listen. It's been a long march through the institutions that's taken place. It's taken fifty to sixty years to do this. Um, you know, the cultural Marxists, starting with Gramsci and the Frankfurt School, uh, they they were at it in the '30s. You know, and this went on for years, decades. Uh, it's going to take a huge uh, reformation uh, that will take decades to to undertake. I'm just here as a germ for the future, a, a uh, you know, sort of a vestige that might be built on by others. I won't be able to do this myself. So it's going to take uh, people that are willing to hold out and create something that people can build on to reform and re to, re, to, to reform these systems, to re uh, to Rebuild them from the inside out, or maybe let them rot and collapse, mm. and build parallel structures.
0: Yeah, okay, but you're, you're being vague. Come, on. everybody wants sure. to hear some some more practical things that they can do. Well, what I'm doing or, is
1: I'm, I'm I'm involved in creating an online educational platform that is uh, producing knowledge that's not indoctrination, and that is trying to set the record straight on history on uh, ideology, on, uh, uh, on all kinds of areas of thought. Uh, so we're trying to, you know, purvey real education, real knowledge without indoctrinating people. Uh, so it's called americanscholars.com. So I'm doing something very tangible. Um, and uh, and uh, the other things you can do in terms of resisting like this great reset is we we need to create networks of uh of resistance to it uh networks uh social networks and i don't mean online necessarily i mean social networks that can't be broken through digital means uh Mm -hmm. and independent islands of production that we hold out and create independent economic structures and this includes uh you know uh you know Extre- you know, production and exchange and and uh, an alternative currency probably mm. as Bitcoin is one. So, you know, Bitcoin is, is one thing that you can do. It is, is, and we need to uh, try to fend off a digital, universal digital currency, which is possibly in the pipeline. Uh, so we need to have alternative currencies, uh, alternative modes of production and distribution And uh, alternative social networks that that keep us tied together. These deviationists and dissidents have to have networks of resistance and Mm. networks that we can build, that we can keep in touch with each other and that we can exchange things with each other. We can produce things together and we can stay uh, resistant to cancellation and so forth.
0: It sounds like you saying decentralize our lives
1: yes i think decentralization is key decentralization and secession
0: Mm. Uh, and and self reliance.
1: yeah you don't have to do this even physically uh this can be done virtually Mm. uh although some people are doing it physically um but yeah it has to be done uh and decentralization of currency, of of production, and all that—yes, all that has to take place.
0: And and perhaps supporting your farmers directly.
1: Yes. Well, Trying to find farmers that aren't uh, where the land isn't owned by Bill Gates.
0: <laughs> uh. Uh, but but Bill he's just a nice old man who cares about the world, Michael.
1: Yes, that's right. he's a, he's a philanthropist.
0: Yes, yes, that's the term, with a yes, with a with little T M, with a little T M at the end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's a philanthropist who happens to probably have eugenic ideas. I'm not sure that he's actually been able to implement any of them, but I think he is a eugenicist. That's, I don't, that's just me. I'm a, I'm only a conspiracy theorist after all.
0: There's a crystal ball sitting in front of you, Michael. What? Tell me what do you see?
1: Well, I've been pretty good at this. Um, My book, Google Archipelago anticipated a lot of what's happening. Um, Well, as I said, uh, there's probably going to be coming down the pike, you know, a lot of pressure on vaccine resistors, and uh, they're going to peg us as, you know, worse than deplorables you know that we're actually mm-hmm. mass murderers and things like that and that you know participation in social life will be limited by the uh to those who submit the vaccine protocols uh that's one thing that's going to happen and i think also uh the reset is going to continue so they're going to completely uh have more monopolization and uh Uh, they're forcing all kind of investments using these ESG scores to the to the woke slash environmentally slash governance friendly corporations. This kind of consolidation will continue but at the same time the networks of resistance are building and going to survive this. Uh, We're not going to lose uh, in the end we will we will survive this and they will not take over and they will not make a global tyranny a reality we will win
0: it's an absolute pleasure uh to have chatted to you um you are a man of great insight um and I'm I've absolutely loved listening to you
1: well thank you so much it's been a pleasure to be here
0: if you don't mind, I'm going to go top up my vaccine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. That's
0: nice. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.